0: White Trash Sigma, Dixieland was the place that I grew up. Look carefully at the street signs in Dixieland subdivision. The streets are named after noble poets Tennyson, Milton, Bryant, Browning, the modest gray Cape Cod style houses built in 1953 is where we called home. Was located in the Dixieland subdivision of the south end of Flint. Arriving in this world as the firstborn son of a family of hillbillies, the odds are very high my life would be spent on the shop floor where Buick cars were assembled. My pedigree likely adds up to that of a northern hillbilly. The history of southern hillbilly migrants was distinct in part because of their lack of ownership of the land. Over American history, hillbillies could be f- defined as a group of landless people. My family history is one of typical American sharecroppers. Dad was born in Paris, Tennessee, a small town in Henry County in Western Tennessee. That was a long ways from the Eiffel Tower. It is today known as the home of Hank Williams, Jr. It was a Confederate county with their rented farms, its poor soil. They experienced a depression before the Great Depression like many other sharecroppers, they migrated and ended up in Paragool, Arkansas. There was nothing particularly remarkable about the neighborhood where I grew up, except that the entire subdivision was built on top of a swampy General Motors dump site. The subdivision sits just a city block from a former arsenal of democracy. Fisher body number one, a General Motors automobile factory. This automobile factory was converted to making tanks and armaments to support our nation's war efforts in World War II. GM used the land where my parents' brand new home now sits atop as a, as a dump and a landfill for hazardous waste. We are talking heavy metals and chemicals, dangerous stuff like leaded paints, lacquers, and other harmful chemicals. GM painted cars and auto parts at Fisher body number one. The chemical waste they dumped in the Dixieland subdivision was the excess of an automotive painting and coating operation. The Dixieland subdivision developer was able to build homes in certain areas because the ground was too unstable and swampy. The polluted swampland became a park and a playground. They called it Windy Eight Park. The Flint School Board even built two school buildings atop the dump site. They topped that off with the playground equipment directly next to the chemically-laced swamp for little kids to play. That is where I first learned about science and discovering living creatures. Little did I know at the time, 50 years before the Flint water crisis, These types of chemical contaminants could result in lifetime harm to the health of children. My dad joined the Army Air Corps, leaving Arkansas after his graduation in 1937. Eventually he arrived in Flint, Michigan in 1953, where he met and married my mother. My mother's family arrived in Flint from the South in the early 1920s. They came from Kentucky and Missouri. Dixieland subdivision wasn't far from Dixie Highway, which is nearby high, which is the nearest highway headed south down home to America's hillbilly Heaven, as us kids used to affectionately call it. My mom Anna, was a tall redhead, a very engaging jokester, and, and she had a temper. She occasionally referenced herself as Big Mama. I never used that term to describe my mom. She attended Flint Public Schools, graduating from Flint Central. She hired into the GM Auto Factory and worked at Fisher Body Number One, just three blocks from my home. Back in the day, they hired women to cut and sew upholstery for the brand new cars. She later transferred to Turnstead a GM parts plant on the north side of Flint. That factory had jobs for women that did not require the physicality of the assembly line. She eventually took advantage of GM's 30 years and out retirement plan. Mom was a union gal. She lived her teenage years in Flint during the Great Depression. She was a teenager during the Flint sit down strikes. Her loyalty to the UAW was born during the UAW's historic fight for recognition to collectively bargain for auto workers. Mom looked to the UAW for protection in the auto factories of Flint. Life for women in Flint's auto factories was not easy back in her day. Backbreaking work, sexual harassment, and economic uncertainty in the 1950s and 60s took its toll on my mom mom was not involved in union politics after her retirement her and dad took advantage of many uaw activities such as luncheons the annual uaw picnic and travel opportunities they spent some time at the uaw-owned retreat and conference center at black lake in northern michigan they also spent a bit of time at the uaw retirement center in stuart florida dad was honorably discharged from the united states air force and found his way flint during his 12 years of military service my dad served during world war ii and the korean conflict as he used to call it dad served in the strategic air command this is the unit of the air force where our nation's fleet of nuclear bombers is assigned my dad climbed up the ladder of the enlisted ranks and he eventually was a non-commissioned officer assigned to administrative duties with the Inspector General's office. Dad developed mental health problems in the military and took to drinking, becoming an alcoholic. Dad was based at Warner Robins Air Base in Macon, near Macon, Georgia for nearly 12 years. The military determined dad to have service-connected disability. He was 100% disabled, according to the Veterans Administration. The government considered my siblings and myself war orphans. As such, we are entitled to various stipends and educational benefits. We are beneficiaries of the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund. Dad spoke with a a strong Tennessee draw. He loved country music and dancing. When he got drunk, he sang the songs of Ernest Tubbs, Tennessee Ernie Ford, and Marty Robbins. He also sang religious hymns for some crazy reason. He was a country boy and he was proud of it. Tracing back my family roots to the Cumberlands and Kentucky and the hills of Tennessee, it turns out that the great uncles of both my mom and my dad's side of the family fought against one another in that awful civil war. Yes, brother against brother, how crazy is that? My great grandpa, Alan, on my dad's side of the family, uh, tree were slave owners, as were some relatives on my mom's side of the family. My border state family took up an, arms against each other. If we think America is divided today, think about the conflicts between Americans in 1865. My grandparents then moved to Paragould, Arkansas. My dad played football for the Paragould High School Bulldogs, and graduated from high school there. Like many Southern boys at the time, he enlisted in the Army Air Corps, which eventually became the United States Air Force. If ever there was a lifeline sent to me by God, it was that my grandparents moved from Paraguay, Arkansas and bought a home just a short distance from my parents' home in the Dixieland subdivision. I was able to ride my bike or walk to their house my Aunt Johnny Francis bought a house next to my grandpa and grandma. Grandparents and I were very close. I spent hours in their shaded front yard uh, with their lawn chairs, invited you to sit a spell, as they would say. Their Cape Cod-style home did not have the typical southern front porch where hillbillies hold court. No matter, my grandparents put their lawn chairs in the shade of the big elm trees in the front yard, inviting anyone to join them. My grandparents, Lorenzo and Maddie Rose, moved to Flint to be closer to their children. They were sharecropper migrants steeped in Southern culture. The first thing a Southern migrant does when arriving in a Northern city is find the First Baptist Church. They did just that. My grandparents were deeply religious. They went to church every Sunday Grandpa has had his dress hat and Grandma in her Sunday best. They read the Bible, and they lived by what it said. They were, serious, they were serious about their religion. Neither smoked nor drank alcohol. I asked Grandpa one day if he ever chewed tobacco or smoke, and he told me that he would take a leaf off the tobacco plants on his farm and chew a leaf of tobacco sometimes. My grandma may have done snuff. I saw her little lips pursed with that tobacco bulge. They were comical in their bickering, using southern phrases and colloquialisms that had my sister and I rolling on the floor. After leaving their house, we continued the fun by imitating their comedy show at home. We tried using every phrase and hillbilly word we could, could toward each other in our skits. We perfected the Southern accents of Tennessee folks. What great fun. We knew our grandparents were different than us and we were trying to figure it out as we grew up. Grandpa was a lazy, lanky man who took a walk every day after his meal. He was a Southern Democrat. He watched the Chet Huntley, David Brinkley evening news show without fail on his black and white television set. He was a measured man and he rarely expressed his opinions about politics he never used curse words as he called them grandma was not so interested in the evening news she taught me how to sew i tried her version of embroidery with various degrees of success she taught me how to use a thimble it seemed like such an odd gadget grandpa and grandma bush bush's house was a place of retreat when things got too hot at home. That is when my dad got drunk and sometimes violent uh, with us kids and we had to leave. Fortunately, we had a calm and safe place to land at Grandma Bush's house. My grandparents were constantly advising me not to go the way of the bottle, that is liquor, the liquor bottle. They were disappointed in my dad for his lifestyle choices, not seeming to understand his mental illness. Over my childhood, they taught me not to idealize the liquor bottle or smoking cigarettes. They were in essence teaching me to make my dad, not to make my dad, my role model. My Aunt Johnny Francis, dad's sister, would chide and taunt my dad for his bullying behaviors and drinking. It was as if my family was teaching me not to develop my father as my role model. Over time I learned that they were wise to guide me to steer me clear of that which causes you to sin. Of course, I pledged to them that I would never smoke cigarettes. That was an easy thing to do. It didn't take grandpa it didn't take grandpa's lessons about liquor uh, to understand how ruinous it was to our family. Back then, I hated alcohol because it stole my dad from me. Grandpa and Grandma spelled their last name, B-U-S-H, but Dad spelled his name B-U-S-C-H. One day, my curiosity required an explanation as to why Dad had a different last name. Grandma explained, when Dad joined the military, they messed up the spelling of his last name on his papers, and he was too shy or afraid to correct them. By the time his uniform was issued and he received his dog tags, dad figured it out. It was too much trouble to change all that. And so be it. That's a name change, I guess, just like that. That's nuts. Grandpa and grandma didn't really seem upset about dad's involuntary name change. They seemed, in retrospect, to look at the issue as just another less serious crazy thing my dad did to himself mom's interest in the south was in in unceasing she showed her children a different side of hillbilly she showed us the sophistication of the deep south which she often visited as a younger woman she stressed working-class values of hard work being polite getting a job and education getting an education was without any question the number one value my mother instilled in me. There was never any doubt that no matter how poor we were, how stressed out my uh, by my dad's antics, that we were going to go to college. That's it. My mom had a penchant for sewing roses and made the best ever fried chicken, sausage, gravy, and biscuits. My mom loved all things Southern except whiskey, which she viewed as the devil's brew. It made my dad super crazy and at times violent. Mom, too, was the daughter of hillbillies. But that didn't make her unsophisticated. My grandpa, Arthur Walter York, after whom I was named, was from Kentucky. And my grandma, Maude York, was from Missouri. My grandpa, Arthur, was an entrepreneur owning a small business while working full-time at the Buick power plant. I don't even remember much about my mom's parents other than my grandpa Arthur York was tall and doting. My grandma Maud York liked snuff and kept her hair in a bun. I was rather young when they died. I didn't get it why grandma York found it necessary to do snuff. My big uh, sister Carol told me it was a Southern thing That was enough to satisfy my curiosity back then. Mom loved to sing. She loved the antebellum South with its beautiful homes, gardens, and flowers. She loved Southern gourmet. Best of all, she knew all the great Broadway and American songs. I fondly remember her teaching me to sing a Confederate song, Dixie. The 19th century song cemented the American reference, Dixie, to the southern United States.